now number one for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Take you until noon. Alex Holstead in about 12 minutes. Mark Morehouse in about 30 minutes on Iowa. As you've heard, KXNO's got a new branding guy. Yes. I remember the first branding guy that was not showing the door, but when they rebranded with the voice you've heard on the station for so many years. Eight years. Is that what it was? Eight years? Uh, that, that, That at the time it was like... It was change, and mm-hmm. it's difficult. Yes, uh, nobody likes it for the most part, and I'm sure that there'll be some people out there that are listening to this and thinking this really not digging this as well. But it'll just take some time. That's it will. All. That's the way it always goes. Speaking of change, as we flip the calendar to 2020, big night for you and Ankeny. I'm going to guess New Year's Eve. What hit the Yankee Clipper? <laughs> Maybe a stop at the cab. Yeah, what? I was all over the place. What, what was on the agenda for you? Well, the Alamo Bowl was okay, and then uh, uh, long story. Oh, really? Well, not a long story. A good story? No, it's, it's a different story. I mean, um, I guess my she's now my ex-sister-in-law. Uh-huh. And my wife are really good friends. Interesting. Yeah, and... Um, There's a dynamic. Yeah, no, it's cool, though. It really is not, it's neat. And, and a friend of theirs lost their battle with cancer, so they oh. spent the day together, and then they showed up at our kitchen counter with a couple of chunks of wine, mm-hmm. and the, the girls got after it. <laughs> Good for them. Absolutely. That's what I thought, right? All of us are, I think Michelle's probably in her late 50s. My wife's 62 and I'm 61 and the girls put the fun meter in the red zone. Nice. Yeah. It was a fun one at the Miller House. It was different. Yeah, it was different. It was, um, but yeah, I didn't do anything. I watched football and I, Trent, it was one of the two bowl games. Like I didn't want the pack, uh, the big 12 to get blanked. And I certainly felt like that's where we were headed right after After my K-State call. Yeah, that was a good football game. It was. That was a good football could game. Could have gone either way. It could have, absolutely. Um, but it went it went Navy's way at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. But then for Texas to do what they did over Utah. John, we had the same kind of conversation last year, right? Because we said Ellinger was so damn good mm-hmm. and felt like they were back. And Ellinger actually came out and said that they were back. Where was this Texas team all year? I mean, if you're a Longhorn fan, what are you thinking? Well, I think you do have to look at the other side and who they're playing. You think Utah just... Utah was a game away from playing in the college football playoff. And now, they're going to play in San Antonio in a nice bowl game. It's a nice bowl game, absolutely. It's that. It's a nice bowl Mm -hmm. game. And they're not hanging out on a beach. There's no beaches in San Antonio. No. It's got to be a little bit disappointing. And I think more than anything, that's... Really, the way this thing plays out is the motivational angle. We talk about it so much. And uh-huh. you, know, you can go back to the Texas game a year ago in the Sugar Bowl. Right. Georgia. Georgia didn't want to be there. No. They're playing for national championships. That's what their expectations certainly were after being moments away the year previous for them to right. being Alabama it's, and winning a national championship. Alabama, and now, right. yeah, we're, we're in a New Year's Six game, but it doesn't matter because uh-huh. we're not in the playoff. I think same thing here with Utah. So I am not going to fall for that trap. Now, I didn't fall for it with Texas this year. I was on the under of the uh, nine and a half that was out there. I don't know. It just it doesn't click with me, this Tom Herbin program, that they're an upper echelon program, that they're going to get to be an upper echelon program. I haven't seen it yet. 
and I'm mm. not going to buy in. All right, are you going to buy some PJ Flex stock with the Gophers? Year two of now doing it back to back seasons. That's the next step. I like this Minnesota team coming into the year. Adam nine and three. Mm-hmm. As a game off in the regular season, they win their bowl game. Nice win against Auburn. A really nice win. They uh, put points up, but they got some places pieces to replace. Mm-hmm. Many of that running back room. That's mm-hmm. incredibly deep, though. What was it? Brooks didn't play nope. right in the bowl game. Oh, uh, did he? I thought it, Did he not? I, know I Ibrahim, thought he was supposed Ibrahim to did. sit out. Okay. Yeah, yeah he did. Oof. In a big-time way. Offensive line is young and yeah. big and talented, and you have that building block there. Those receivers, though, were special. Mm-hmm. And having a couple of different Lose guys. one and Tyler there, Johnson. He's going to be moving on. I don't know. I We'll see there. they got to be better defensively to take that next step. And we've talked about that a lot with Iowa State and taking that next step. Lose Coughlin, yep. they got to be better on that side of the football. They can't just go into every single game and say, we're going to outscore you. Especially in the Big Ten West and the way well, the other two programs that are built with Iowa and Wisconsin. To get to that level, got to be better on that side of the football. Is Winfield made his decision? He can leave, right? Is he not a redshirt sophomore? Yeah, because he, he, was, injury, he was... right? Yeah, injury, and he was involved, remember, in that scandal back uh, his oh, freshman year. yes, yes, So yes, there was yes. something that also, I think, played into that. He was exonerated of everything, I believe, but his name was at least involved in that early on. He is draft eligible, though, mm-hmm. and with that, boy, he is a playmaker. Ooh. Like his old man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, that, that, that'll be interesting to Why watch him because I have State, not seen. Did, did they offer him? Do you know? I don't know. I don't follow recruiting as close as some. I, you would have to think. I know he, was a, he wasn't an elite. He wasn't a five-star, but he was a good prospect. But Ohio State, they do have their pick of the litter. I get mm-hmm. it. And is a pretty good player. <laughs> no doubt. Jeez. Good God, he's fun to watch. I, I don't know what scholarship numbers or whatever, you know, I played in there. But if... You're kind of a little Ohio State, and you're saying, eh, maybe we did finally yeah. swing and miss at one of those. Uh, the Okudu, uh, he, he's the, uh, after his teammate Young, he's the second defensive player off the board in the draft. It's nuts. It's crazy, right? Great. Look, I I know that you tweeted out, who's, who's did you, poor football focus his mock? No, that, that was was uh, Matt Miller. Oh, uh, uh, NFL draft scout. NFL is draft his, scout. Is Bleacher Twitter Report. Handle. Bleacher Report. Yep. He had them in the 20s. Trent... Pro Football Focus has them in the single digits. Well, it's crazy. I mean, you talk about a wide range of opinions on Epinesa and Wirfs. Is it McShay that has them 26th and 28th? Mm, I, mean, I don't know. So anywhere from... He's behind a paywall, so I don't see him. Both guys in the top 10 to late first round. And if... That's the other kind of tricky factor here. If you're either of those guys and you hear more like the McShay side of things, late first round, that's what Gallery got after his junior year. Mm-hmm. That's what Sheriff was told after his junior year. Both guys come back. Top, top five, five picks. And that is a huge difference in oh, money. God. Top five money as opposed to late 20s. You're talking of tens of millions of dollars. Does that sway into the decision at all? Because the advisory committee tells you one of two things. Either first or second round or go back to school. Right. That's it. Right. They don't say you're going to be in the top five or you're going to be 25 to 35. That's not the range that you get here. You get one of those two grades and... If that's out there a little bit more, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think it's not the slam dunk that they're gone. That's the betting favorite, no doubt. But there has to be a little bit of wiggle room here. We'll see. Pro Football Focus has them like six and seven or seven and eight, something like that, back to back, anyways. Back to back years. Hawks in the top 20 of the NFL draft. Could happen. Uh, we'll take a time out. Alex Halstead will join us next. We'll talk Iowa State. Where do they go from here after? 
Florida A&M, the Rattlers, come in and pick them off. They will begin Big 12 play on Saturday night, 5 o'clock TCU. So um, it's not like they're playing the league's elite, but it is on the road. We'll uh, get Iowa State 5 o'clock on Saturday night. Alex Halstead next. Mark Morehouse, 1135. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Mark Morehouse coming up. In about 25 minutes, we will uh, run down Mark. Look forward to doing that right now. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports. Uh, he joins the program. Alex, Trenton, Ken, Happy New Year. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing real well. Appreciate you coming on. As always, back from Orlando. And, uh, you know, we'll get to the football in a few minutes, but let's do... Uh, we'll dot I's and cross T's on that with you, but let's do here and now, and that's the basketball program who will begin conference play on Saturday. Off they go to TCU. You know, I've been all, I've been, um, on every end of the extreme with this team. Prior to the season, I thought that the state's best opportunity to get a team in the big dance was Iowa State. I thought their best basketball play was played in the Bahamas. Uh, didn't have any answer for Powell and uh, what's the big kid's name? Mamush Kilishvili or something like that. That's pretty Mamu good. Kilishvili, yeah. um, who didn't play in the second game, the game in Ames, but did play in the Bahamas. That was the best period of basketball, I thought, Alex, for this Iowa State team. What's gone wrong seemingly since? Yeah, they played, you know, decent in the Bahamas. You know, they played pretty well against the Michigan team that then yep. climbed into the top five. Obviously, like you said, they lost to Seton Hall, but they kind of redeemed themselves that next Sunday. And now all of a sudden they really looked really poor in the last several weeks, you know, starting with that Iowa game. But then, uh, obviously, now with this Florida A&M loss, you know, that's a team that is one of the, the worst teams in college basketball. Uh, they've never beaten a high major school. Um, it's, it's you don't have Tyrese Halliburton, but even without Tyrese Halliburton, there's not much of an excuse to lose that game. Right. And, and now a really big uphill climb for this this program because you know that loss is going to kind of stand out on the resume. And you know, not only that, you know, what are they going to look like in the Big Twelve? Um, you know, I think that that starts obviously like you said this weekend with TCU and TCU, K State are probably the two worst teams in the Big Twelve. You know, obviously now probably Iowa State's in that conversation until they prove otherwise. Um, but you know, going on the road and after the showing they have this week, I, I'm not sure people probably feel that confident uh, about that TCU game even. You know, you you look through the box score, they shoot the ball better than they have from the outside. They're playing without Halliburton, but this loss to Florida A&M is just not any loss to a by opponent coming in. Those ones sting, but it's a program from the MEAC. This is a program that has been as historically inept as you're going to find in college basketball, ranked in the 300s, inexplicable in so many different ways here. As it plays out, looking back through it, it's just one of the how? How does something like this happen to a program that certainly didn't anticipate this this year? Well, that's the thing is, you know, Iowa State got up 15 early and, um, you know, kind of looked like it was going to be, even without Tyrese Halliburton, that kind of game that you still kind of just, get through on New Year's Eve, and it's it's fine. Um, but uh, just a lot of different issues. You mentioned the, the shooting actually wasn't terrible. I mean, they shot 40% from three, but uh, defense was poor. You know, Pro mentioned after the game that there were probably six possessions in a row where they just were not very good defensively. And then, you know, the other thing, too, that you kind of turnovers. figure out is you have the turnovers, and you got to start to figure out what, what's going on with the forwards because you look at 
Michael Jacobs and Solomon Young combined for six points and four rebounds. And you got to get more out of the front court. It can't be just George Condit. And um, you got to start thinking, you know, is this team better when they're a small ball team? But who do you play instead of, you know, Michael Jacobson or Solomon Young? So uh, I think there's a lot of questions. I think that's probably the most concerning thing is that Saturday State goes into 2020 now this weekend. Uh, I don't know if they have quite the identity that they, they need to have by this point. You know, by this point, use the non-conference play to find an identity, and there's still quite a few questions uh, with this team as they go into the new year. Uh, is you know trying to find a positive. Rasir Bolton had a, statistically, anyways, his best game uh, as a cycling. He was ten of seventeen, four for four from for the beyond three. He was perfect at the free throw line. Uh, turnovers were a tad higher than you'd like to see. Um, to, to be fair, but uh, Bolton statistically, offensively was good. Now, was that based on Halliburton being out of the lineup, or did something click in Bolton's game that hadn't been there? Well, I think Bolton showed him some flashes. You know, especially in a couple of different second halves in the month of December. You know, he kind of emerged and um, and played good basketball. You know, I think the thing for him is trying to continue to find his role. I think obviously with with Halliburton out, that, that gives him a little bit more usage and. Uh, more opportunities to shoot. Um, you know, they really needed him to probably come on. It's going to be, um, you know, big for him and, and Prentice Nixon to kind of become a little bit more consistent in conference play. But, um, you know, we will talk to Steve Prome here in just a little bit. I'll be in Ames, um, and it'll be interesting to hear kind of what he has to say now that he's had a chance to digest it. But I think it just kind of all goes back to what is the, this team's identity, and um, and I think that's still kind of a question. And you know, now the biggest thing too. You know, uh, what seven and five in, in non-conference. Um, you still have the Auburn game out there, but if you go nine and nine in, in the Big Twelve, which looks kind of difficult, I think. You know, you're still in maybe not a great NCAA tournament spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've they've really done some damage by you know losing that game. Yeah, you look at that. If they do go nine and nine in conference play, lose the game that they have against Auburn. That's a road game against a top ten team. You're looking at a team that's 16 and 15. Mm-hmm. And even in a good Big 12, and you're going to have good wins in there. I don't think that's going to be enough to make them an NCAA tournament team. It's a long, long road forward here for this squad. As you go through Halliburton, I know you'll find out more here this afternoon when you have a chance to talk with Prome and company. But just a one-game injury, basically a game as Riss is banged up here. We're going to be Florida and We'll just sit him out here. Is that all this kind of injury was, or is it more debilitating? Something to be concerned with the TCU game coming up here in a couple of days. Yeah, we'll we'll find out, like you said. But uh, my sense is that it, it's more was you know precautionary. You know, get him through non conference play into Big Twelve play. Uh, you know, and get him a little bit healthier. But uh, I'm not sure if, how much they would have been willing to push it against Florida A&M, but in retrospect, obviously, if, if they could have pushed it, they probably would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough to say. I, I think Halliburton told some people after the team out of the court that um, you know, it was up to Prome, you know, ultimately, and, and they, they obviously made the decision not to play him, so uh, hindsight's twenty twenty yeah. that, but I think mostly he, he should be ready to go uh, Saturday, but we'll get a full update here later this afternoon. Is there a... Um... I mean, is is there a different lineup he could start that might light a fire under this team? And if so, what would that be? I mean, the guys off the bench, the only one, to be honest with you, that's had a pulse throughout the entire season, Condit, he's been, you know, I mean, the other guys have had their moments, don't get me wrong, but Condit seemingly, you know, every night in his 20 to 18 to 24 minutes, whatever it is he's, he plays, he usually gives them something. Is there a different lineup? And maybe does that lineup include starting lineup? I mean, and maybe does that starting lineup include him? What could Prompt do? 
yeah, if, if you're going to mix something up, I would think it would probably involve, you know, Conde. Like you said, he's been probably, not probably, but he's been the most productive guy in the front court. Uh, like I said, you know, Solomon Young and um, Michael Jacobson combined for six points the other right. night. And, you know, they only have four rebounds in mm-hmm. the front court. You know, they shouldn't be getting, you know, consistently, it seems like, some of those guards are out rebounding them, and I, I, they've got to figure something out there. And you know, do they want to play smaller? But what does that even look like? And I think Gonda is a guy that, you know, people have been wanting him to get more and more minutes, and it'd be interesting to see if that if that continues. He had 12 points the other night, and he's really been the one guy that's been consistent in that front court. Over to a little bit of football with you, Alex Halstead, joining us, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, uh, a look back at Orlando, a disappointing effort, certainly in the 33-9 loss to Notre Dame. Felt outclassed in that football game. Your takeaway in our first time that we talked to you since the game. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be uh, at least a competitive game. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone ever asked me to make a prediction, but in talking to people, I kind of talked, you know, I thought Iowa State wouldn't win the game. But I thought it'd be a competitive game. Competitive game. You look over the last three seasons, uh, from 2017 now through this 2019 season, and and before that Notre Dame game, you know the, the most Iowa State had ever had lost by in those three seasons was 14 points last year at Texas. Uh, they don't, that had been their only loss of more than 10 points over the last three years, and then to get beat by 24, I think that was the only surprising part to me. And uh, like you said, there just, just weren't really a lot of positives in that game. I think you know defensively they gave up some big plays and offensively they really struggled to finish drives and at times um you know really do anything so um it's 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 uh, ending the season on a sour note when you combine that game with the Kansas State game probably two of their worst games in in the last couple seasons um and so you know I think Matt Campbell said you know after the game they have to kind of go and figure out some of those things and some of it's coaching he said you know when you look at some of the third and longs they're giving up and some of the different things like that they've got to figure out a way to start to fix some of those things uh beginning uh, this offseason. Uh, your take on the uh, the Big 12's postseason? They're uh, they're going to finish one and five. The only win, uh, Texas, who you know had a disappointing season in their own right. They pounded a Utah team, and yep, we recall Utah was in the Pac-12 championship and an inch away from a playoff berth, if you well, close to the playoff berth. Oregon beat them convincingly, but nonetheless, uh, Texas was really really good. They looked like Texas finishing the season last year in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. But the conference overall, Oklahoma blown out. Baylor's playing an undermanned uh, team from Georgia. Uh, Oklahoma State falling to Texas A&M. Navy uh, picking off K-State. Of course, Iowa State losing. Your thoughts on the uh, the conference's postseason? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is kind of going back to uh, around around the season finale, you know, after Iowa State lost to Kansas State, I think I tweeted something like, maybe the Big 12 is just okay. You know, you you looked at the league and the top, you had Oklahoma and Baylor, and then you had four, five, four teams, you know, all tied at five and four. And I think in some ways they beat up on each other a little bit this year, and uh, that was maybe reflected a little bit in the bowl game. You know, I don't think you can always read too much into, you know, the bowl records. I want to say right. last year the Big 12 went four and three, but it obviously is some sort of an indicator. And I think, um, you know, Oklahoma had its struggles towards the end of the season. They almost lost to Iowa State. They almost lost to TCU late. Um, they need a big comeback to beat Baylor. Um, there were just a lot of different – you know, I think issues for different teams in the in the in the Big Twelve this year, and it, I think it was a, a good conference in the sense that um, there weren't a lot of really bad teams. I mean, you had to kind of bring it every night, um, but I think there also weren't a lot of maybe top tier teams this year. Looking forward, have you uh, peeked ahead to twenty twenty? 
Oklahoma, because it's Oklahoma, certainly going to be there. Texas, do they vault forward? Are they back? Who do you think uh, is going to be the teams talked about towards the top as you look at the Big 12 as a whole? Yeah, I think you're going to see Oklahoma and, and Texas talked about, um, you know, just because that's kind of the nature of this conference. Oklahoma's going to lose Jalen Hurts, but they bring in uh, a five-star quarterback that's kind of been preparing this year in Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be pretty good, you know, kind of across the board. Texas, obviously, returns Sam Ellinger, and I think, you know, It'll be interesting because I think last year we thought they won the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. We thought that was going to be their step, and then they didn't really take it this year. But, you know, now do they take it um, into next year? One thing that's going to be really interesting to me is, you know, Oklahoma State, they're going to bring back Spencer. Watch Sanders out. Injury. Um, and, and Tyron Wallace just announced yesterday that he's returning mm-hmm. instead of going to the NFL. Uh, we'll see what happens with Hubbard at running back, but that's going to be a team that I think could be kind of a dark horse pick. And then, you know, Baylor will be interesting. They're going to lose a lot defensively, and I think the big question there is, is Matt Rule there. If he's gone – you know, they have to deal with some of those new head coach struggles um, that most teams go through. But, you know, Rule says he plans on being back at, at Bayer, so we'll see. But I think it's going to be another year where, you know, there could be five, six teams that um, are really competitive in that top half. Yeah, I'm with you, and I'm with you on Oklahoma State. I think you hit the nail on the head. That, to me, is the, you know, is there, there's Oklahoma and then there's Texas, and then we're on that next level, and who's going to be there? And this was the year that Iowa State was going to be on that. I think that the off-season talk is going to be about the Cowboys. K-State seemingly loses a ton of guys. I mean, a ton of starters are leaving from K-State. Uh, so we shall see about that. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, thank you. Happy New Year to you. Appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. Who used your, you got one? Have you identified one? You must have had one in the back of your mind ask the question. It was Okie State. Yeah, it is. That it? I really like what I've kind of seen here, kind of building things forward. I, I wonder about TCU. They've been very good under Patterson with bounce back yeah. years. Quarterback's no longer a freshman, Trent. Dugan is a sophomore. He looked good at times. He yeah. looked awful at times, mm-hmm. though, too. Now, he was really banged up throughout the year. Maybe that's one I'm going to put at least in the back recesses. And how about Kansas State? You know, now taking year number two, do you build on what you did? Well, you they lose the 18 against... starters. That's, Start right there. That's significant. Yeah, is, I think it's eight, 16 or 18, but it's a ton is, of Is them. it a tear down year two and mm. then building back up for year three? 18? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Gets your attention, right? 18 starters. That's a ton. Okay. I'm going to reevaluate that one. West Virginia. How's the program, too? I didn't know. Neil Brown, kind of weird fit, coming mm-hmm. from Troy. They had nice moments this year. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they did. I, I agree with you. I don't know what to make of them. Here's the other, and I, and I totally agree with Alex and everybody that said it, Matt Rule's decision. It seems like he's leaning NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't think you, uh, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should applaud him for getting in front of it and telling his team that, yeah, I'd be crazy not to listen to the NFL. It's, you know, it's being truthful. You. It's being truthful, and it's so rare. Right, so but just the fact that it had to be a bit of a distraction. But the Charlie Brewer thing, I mean, Trent, this is a. I mean, he's had at least three that we know of, mm-hmm. including the last two games that he has played. He's been unable to finish. He went back into the Big Twelve Championship game when there is, and they were told him Mike De- it was the fee said. Get him, get him off the field, yeah. Coach Rule. He said, take another look at Charlie, because he, he left. He went through the protocol. They inserted him. And Mike DeFee, if you don't know who he is, that's the dude that wears the medium shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't you if you look like that at his age? Um, but he was the one that said, you need to take another look. Take, have your have your doctors, your training staff, take another look at him. Trent, that's a, is he, is, 
you hate to say it, mm-hmm. but you got to think of it in the back of your mind right now is how much football can he play? You don't know. Right, well, a, his parents got to get involved. That's, that's her baby boy. Yes. Anyways, Mark Morehouse joins the program next. Miller and Condon take you until noon. We'll do some Big Ten conversation with Mark. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's get Mark Morehouse in here. We haven't spoken with Mark since the Holiday Bowl last Friday. We'll do that. We'll do some Big Ten West as their day was, they had a big day in the spotlight yesterday. What might have been uh, wasn't for Wisconsin. Offensive pass interference at the end of the game playing a significant role. And who knows how that drive would have turned out. But let's get Mark Morehouse in here. Mark Trenton, Ken, Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me on. No, appreciate you coming on, Mark. And, you know, we'll get to the Holiday Bowl and dot I's and cross T's on in just a second. But uh, P.J. Fleck, and I know you tweeted it out and wasn't really well received among some of your Hawkeye followers, but I'm with you 1,000% that, you know what, the Big, Test, uh, Big Ten West is better when there's more uh, teams that are certain uh, that seemingly have a pulse and P.J. Fleck's Gophers clearly have a pulse. I got your take, Mark. It, it wasn't received well, but that was a big, big win over Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Big win for uh, Minnesota. I think there's some real growth there. I like how they ran the football against a really good run defense. Um, you know, Fleck got my attention last year when he fired his defensive coordinator, uh, I want to say the last month of the season, yeah. and they got better on defense. It showed, that he, he told, it showed me he has football IQ and he knows what he's doing. Um, and then last year they beat Wisconsin. So those were two like uh, things that I thought, wow, Fleck, let's not – let's. Maybe there's something there. You got to be a little bit open minded a little bit, and uh, uh, I think Minnesota's. I don't want to say they've arrived, but the Minnesota Iowa game every year is going to be sticky. I think for a little while here. Um, I think the same thing for and from Iowa's point of view. I think Iowa State's not going anywhere. I think uh, obviously there's Wisconsin. I think the Big Ten West. You're right, Ken. I think the Big Ten West is. I, I like how you put it. Teams with a pulse. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with North, Northwestern next year. I don't think they're going to be very good, but beyond that, I think Purdue should be better. I think uh, Minnesota's not going anywhere. I, I, maybe the most important team in the Big Ten West next year is Nebraska. I mean, I, I say that, and I know it's, your listeners are rolling their eyes so hard right now they're going to sprain them. But uh, <laughs> never heard but, that. But before. it's true. But it's true because that's the last team. I think the last. That's the last program that you know people are looking to be interesting in the Big Ten, and it just hasn't been yet. Right. Really hasn't. It's been a struggle two years into that one. This popped into my mind, and, and as you were in Chicago, as we were back in July for Big Ten football media days, one of the biggest talking points for the conference as a whole was that divide, the East-West divide, and it happened again this year. Though The Badgers had their chance against the Buckeyes, and we've seen West teams play very well there but ultimately can't get it done against the teams from these. Seems like it's Penn State more than anything trying to get rid of the divisions. Kevin Warren, a new commissioner now there. Is this going to happen sooner rather than later that divisions as we know them will be no more in the Big Ten? Hmm. You know, I I thought about this, and I think it could go either way. But I would, the one thing, and I'm glad you mentioned Kevin Warren because today's his first day on the job. Yep. Um, I think the first thing that goes out the window probably is and it and it really depends on how tied it is to television. But right now, I don't think it is. Is the nine game deal? Um, when the Big Ten did that, it was trying to is trying to get billions of dollars in television money, and it did. Uh, now, now the Big Ten and the Pac twelve and uh, the Big Twelve is doing it right. 
mm-hmm. because they, they 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 play everybody. But uh, I think the nine game schedule will be the first thing on his list. I think that'll go. But you're right, Trent. I mean, the, the coaches. I'm uh, Ryan Day. Uh, I remember him not really grousing, but he just he made a point to say it. And I think a lot of coaches in the East did that. And I think uh, I think it's something to be, that's going to be looked at, Trent. I don't know how long I don't know how long it would be, but uh, um, if we're just talking about a championship imbalance, though, Trent, which I think we are, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure the league can't live with that. You know what I mean? I, I, yes, the Big Ten East will probably win nine out of ten championships, but I think during the season the balance has been decent. Mm-hmm. So that's a good question, and uh, that I, I, Trent, I think you're right. I think that's one worth watching in 2020. And your answer was a good answer, Mark. But I'm a, I'm anxious to hear which way you think it'll go. So if nine does go away, and and right. why wouldn't he want to put his stamp on it? Uh, does it go away in favor of ten, or does it slide back to eight? It'd be eight, uh, in my opinion. It'd be eight, and uh, I think the Big Ten would be like, okay, we're going to have this game in November. That's going to be more like a job fair. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we're going to pay a team a million and a half bucks to come in and get whooped. Uh, I guess that's what college football wants and needs, and uh, I think that's what everybody's going to get. Victory against USC, beating a blue blood, certainly good feelings as you cap off this season. Now I think we'll uh, be able to paint a better picture of how this is remembered years down the road, but as you look back in the here and now at a 10-3 and season, your thoughts overall, what this year was for the program as a whole? It's positive. I mean, ten and three trend. I mean, uh, there's there's no other way to paint it as, mm-hmm. other than positive. Um, maybe hugely positive. Yes, uh, the three games that that mattered, the three games he really wanted the offensive line to put its stamp on it. It didn't. Um, Wisconsin is still this much taller than Iowa in the Big Ten West, and you know that that's that's this year. Other than that, I this team checked every box. I mean, ten and three is ten and three. Um, I think I mean, you know I, out of the three losses. Probably the biggest missed opportunity was Michigan. Yep. I think that was a very beatable Michigan team, and if Iowa uh, had trusted Keith maybe a little bit more, they probably maybe they win that game by a couple points, um, but they didn't. So uh, I think that to me was maybe the most disappointing, and definitely the most frustrating was Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin is the uh, you know their big brother now, and uh, that's that's just how it's played out. Uh, you know, you saw the Badgers lose last night on a questionable call. I know. Yeah. I think officiating you guys is really if they if if the if the college football doesn't address officiate I mean just the way replay is now married to, there there are too many eyes watching the game the way replay can buzz down and change things in a heartbeat so uh, I think that I'm sorry to go off on that you guys didn't ask about that but I think <laughs> officiating is one big topic in the off season and how how it works for replay I think uh, man um, to, it, it ruined too many bowl games yep. Yeah, it ruined the uh, the Fiesta Bowl. And here's the thing, Mark, because the the ESPN's analyst or referee analyst, if the the Mike Pereira of ESPN they College Football, he, he was awful. I mean, he had the the Fiesta Bowl, the strip sack by Okuda, or the strip uh, reception by Okuda. Uh, he had that wrong. He had the OPI wrong yesterday. And they got a guy, John Perry, who does Monday Night Football. I think is the best in the business. They got the national championship game a week from Monday. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a change there. But that's a good point, Mark. Uh, to the to the officiating, what what can be done? I mean, we hear about the NFL. Oh, we got to have full time officials. Something's got to be done. What can be done in college football to get it right? Nobody in nobody in the replay play booth can buzz down and, and stop a game for a penalty. Period. End of, mm. end of discussion. Um, you can buzz down if you see a player hurt, and that is it. Okay. No more buzzing. No more buzzing from the replay booth. Shut up and watch the game and 
do and and be ready when you're called. That's it. No, no, there, to, no, no buzzing down. No, well, that looked like a penalty. Um, it's just it's just way too sub, uh, subjective at this point and all over the board. Um, Got to get rid of some of the rules that Ferentz complains about. I'm I'm on 100 percent with Ferentz. When any time he usually when he's ranting on officials, it's a question I've asked because mm-hmm. it's something that's bothering me. So. <laughs> Kurt doesn't realize this, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, all, we're on the same team on this and a lot of things, a lot of old man football feels. There are too many rules where you're asking, it's almost like the 10 point line in, in ba- or the 10, the 10, 10 second half court line in basketball. You know, the referee's watching for fouls and he's keeping count with his arm. Right. You know, that's a great thing, sure, but boy, that's not exact. And uh, uh, to me, there's just too many 10 second violations possibilities in football where you're asking a ref to kind of keep track of two things and where things happen uh-uh get rid of those rules that's been uh speaking of officiating something that's been a thorn in the side of kirk ferentz and how they talk about cut blocking ask this to your colleague on the on iowa podcast scott Dockerman, earlier in the week but it looks like that isn't changing and kirk ferentz as much as he is went and complained to the uh, rest of the coaches and officiating it's not going to change. Is this going to lead to an evolution of the Iowa run game? What they go do going forward and a change? We saw a lot of misdirection with great success yeah. against USC. Are we seeing the beginning of a change of Iowa's offensive identity? I don't know why you would. I don't know why you'd put that in. And take it out, Trent. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I think that 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 was one thing that they tried to do in that game against that team because they saw something they liked. But man, there was a lot that, that looked like. You know, kind of like you know, Wisconsin, yeah. uh, kind of like modern modern running games with uh, where you just need to you need to create a little bit of a conflict of assignment. Um, I think with the zone scheme, they've been dealing with just with just unchecked aggression. I'm sorry to go Lebowski on you there, <laughs> uh, but unchecked the unchecked aggression that 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 play invites. Um, Iowa doesn't. It seems like there's three plays to set up the one big play and. Man, it didn't look like a running game this year until the Minnesota game and Tyler Goodson did his thing. Right there and then I thought, okay, don't junk anything. Just find the right running back. And I think that they finally did that. I think they're going to start off with that in 2020. Um, Goodson, and I think the running game will look better. Um, but, man, alive. But I, I thought it looked good. I thought uh, the misdirection, the countering, I like that. Yep. Um, the uh, You know how Wisconsin with Melvin Gordon got that jet sweep going? Well, that's the reverse. And man alive, that the Tyrone Tracy touchdown was so wide open, you guys. I mean, he could have he could have walked in his elbows into the end zone. Uh, so just that kind of misdirection in the way that maybe there maybe it was just USC being undisciplined. But yeah, I, I'm with you trying to bring that into 2020. Uh, Mark, I want to go back to uh, it was I think it might have been the, the day after the Holiday Bowl, so Saturday, and one of your tweets. I will have two. Will have two early entries. Yeah. And they're they gone, are the guys. two that guys you think. Gone. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Um, uh, they're going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they didn't, I'd be mad at them because yep. they're going to get paid. Yep. Ten to fifteen million dollars just to write their names, just to make their access. So uh, yeah, Tristan and uh, AJ are looking at you know they're looking at uh, otherworldly NFL paydays, and yeah, there'll be a sting for fans, and there should be because you love these guys. And with AJ and Tristan, I would say that. Uh, uh, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to throw this to you guys. Once in a lifetimeers? 
<laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, when you couple it with the connections for Worf's living less than a half hour away from Kinnick Stadium and, and growing up there. They've had some dudes on the offensive side of the ball, but we, I, who was Epinesa before that? Nobody. I mean, that's just it, right? Nobody. With yeah. the legacy angle, he had, all these different things. He had two things. Adrian Claiborne seasons. He had two great yes. Adrian Claiborne seasons back to back. Trent, you make a great point because of their circumstances, because of how of Iowa they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tristan's a comet. I mean, you're not, you're not going to have a kid who can uh, lay on the floor at six five, three twenty, mm-hmm. and be able to shoot himself up without touching Crazy. onto his feet. Yeah. But you know, you guys saw the video. I did. Um, Tristan is a comet, and he's a half hour away. He was always going to be a Hawkeye. He had no strong feelings toward the Hawkeyes, but it was always just going to happen. And AJ, you know, legacy stuff. Uh, he was never not. He was never going to go to Ohio State, or and I don't think Ohio State even offered him. But he was never going to go to one of those places. He's going to go to he's going to go to Iowa and follow his dad's footsteps and cut a legacy that I think right now is pretty formidable. I mean, maybe if he comes back next year, or if, maybe if he did would come back next year, he could maybe threaten the Stacks record. He for sure could threaten the Stacks record. Um, who cares? Go get go get to fifteen million dollars to do what you do. I mean. He he wrecked two two bowl games for the Hawkeyes. He wrecked the Outback Bowl last year. He wrecked this game this mm-hmm. year. He wrecked it. And so the legacy that he'll leave would be amazing. And, man, Tristan, I don't think you can say enough about just his demeanor. And uh, his his best football is probably five years away. Crazy to think. How will you remember Nate Stanley, Mark Morehouse? Uh, grinder and a winner. Um, he did he, 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 if it if it would help him win, if it would do something for the team, I think he cut off both of his thumbs. I mean, he's just a he's a selfless team guy. Um, I don't want to. I'm not even going to put the caveat in there. Look at how he threw the ball from Nebraska between Nebraska and the the bowl game. Uh, the deep ball that was there and was perfectly placed. I think his best football. I mean, if it, it is, it's not he's not going to be handed the chance that Tristan is going to be handed in the NFL. Big guy is going to have to prove he can't play. Um, Stanley's really going to have to prove he can play because he's, he's 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 got some blemishes on his film, but I think he's going to be he, he's a guy who if he gets his chance and gets on the right spot and doesn't isn't asked to do too much too early, I think he's a guy who could have a long NFL career. Well, a long long time before we get back to football and seeing the Hawkeyes out on the field. Mark, you got your San Diego trip out of the way. Outside of beard trimming, what else is on the agenda for Mark Morehouse at the Cedar Rapids Gazette? That's funny. Um, well, I'm uh, today. I'm going to sit down and write uh, like something about uh, looking back on this season, and then companion piece looking ahead. Um, boy, Spencer Petrus is now a very, very interesting mm. dude. Uh, maybe Deuce Hogan is, maybe he's not. But uh, Spencer Spencer Petrus is a kid who won a job with this team. Uh, the number two QB this year. That was something that he did not own going into this year. Under this coaching staff, under these eyes, he's grown and improved enough to win that sec- that second string job. Now, of course, next year it all gets thrown out. And I've even seen some suggestions about grad transfer quarterback. Yeah, that's somebody who's, what, who's reading too many comic books, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think I was got – it's got a couple guys. It, and if Mansell's – everybody's assuming Mansell's gone, and which right. may be the case, but – he sticks around. I've heard good things. I mean, I heard you look at the way the guy plays a game, and no, he has no arm angle that 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 he's he can just fling the ball anywhere he wants. So, ah, man, here's the one thing you hope that it's not a 2014 quarterback mess. No. I mean, that was a mess, and that kind of I would I would say that ruined the season in 2014. Um, 
Uh, who knows where it goes with Bethard? I mean, there was a door open when he came in and he, and he played the game uh, at Pitt and take, took him to a win, and then at Purdue took him to a win, and then that was it. Um, I just hope it's not like that because if it is, y'all should be angry. <laughs> Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, we will read the piece and we'll talk about that and more with you next week when we reconvene. Thank you, Mark Morehouse. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. God, I'm going to miss all of this football talk, Trent. Just unbelievable. Thank you, Iowa State. Thank you, Iowa football programs, for making it so fun for what we do for a living, right? We've had some lean years. This one, uh, certainly an entertaining one. Yeah, there, an there's one. always topics. That You're just, right. Yeah, this was this was a fun year. No doubt about it. Boy, I'm going to miss it. Going to miss it. Well, basketball, it's up to you. Let's go. Starts this weekend for Iowa. It does, and for Iowa State, too. But for Iowa more so because they well, that's unfair to Cyclone fans. But my point was it seems like they're closer mm-hmm. to the dance, clearly, than Iowa State is. Saw Lenardi's updated bracket. I think Iowa was in an 8-9 game, something like that. Seeing them kind of hovering in that area. When do we start with Shelby Mast, our Ooh, bracket guy? Too early yet. Too early, yeah. For at least weekly appearances. Maybe we'll get... End of January. We'll get maybe one here in the next couple of weeks. And by the time February comes around, they'll start to become weekly. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. Rob Doster, got to get yeah. him back rolling in the Rolodex. start next Monday with us. Yeah, Matt uh, Norlander, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we can sneak him in. He's busy. He stays at home with the kids during the day. That's what he does. Okay. So he does he his writing. Yes, he does. He's out and about. So, Orlando, a little bit more difficult to get at our time slot, but we got a lot of national voices, a lot of regional voices. Of course, we'll have Kevin Lehman weekly mm-hmm. uh, going here again. A lot of fun basketball content. It's going to be an intriguing year, I think, in the state. This Iowa State team, though, I still can't wrap my head around it. I'm with you, Trent. I thought, uh, you know, going into the season that this was the team that was going to carry the state of Iowa's uh, NCAA playoff hopes on their shoulders. They're a man. different team with Halliburton. Yeah, but still, you gotta beat. Come on, the rat. What are the raccoons? There's rattlers. <laughs> rattlers. Ain't them rattlers. Three twenty four at Ken Palm coming into the game. Just They're up to three hundred one now. With that win, yeah. are they? Well, Murph and Andy come your way today at uh, two o'clock. The fanatics will slide on in here at four. What do we got tonight? Did you see any programming tonight? The Wolves played yesterday, I think. The Wild did they play? I'm not sure. Have to take I'm a peek real, at the really schedule not. over my schedule here. Yeah. Uh, well, if you can't grab that, we do know that uh, Murph and Andy today for sure. Cyclone and Fanatic radio program. They're tonight. on the air again today. And uh, Iowa Wolves late game tonight, nine o'clock. They'll be on the air. We'll be back tomorrow with ten, but we'll be preceded by the lid lifters on local programming on KXNO. The morning rush tomorrow with six. Thanks for being with us. We're Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO.